excited about this sermon because, you know, it's a fun sermon, and I like fun things. I think, you know, people are too down in the dumps, and then the mully grubs, you know, and they're too sad, and um, life is fun, you know, and uh, if you can't come to church and have fun, then you need to go to another church. Oops. I said it anyway, you know. But um, I remember the first time my sister uh, came to a service that we were having, you know, and uh, Keith was speaking. Brother Hagen's brother had gotten real sick, and, and we went and took the service for him, and she had never heard Keith speak, and, and it was a big meeting and stuff, and so she thought, well, I'm going to come because it was in Mississippi, and he had to take it over, and she came, and she sat right on the front row, and Keith just kept making everybody laugh, and she had grown up. We had grown up to where you weren't supposed to laugh in church, and she kept laughing. She kept putting her hand on her mouth because she thought we're not supposed to do that in church but you know it's okay to laugh in church it's okay to laugh in church so we may do some laughing in church tonight and so uh, that'll be okay but I was thinking about you know the devil having a plan for our life did you know the devil has a plan for your life and it's not a good plan You know, God has a plan for our life, but the devil has a plan for your life. And do you know, he is one patient thing. He is so, so very patient. And do you know, his patientness doesn't work real well with our impatientness? Because today we are a society of two major things. I think our generation today will go down for two things. Can you guess what they are? Instant. And one, one, just think about electric, electronics, instant, and technology. I think we'll go down for that. I think if you remember this time in, in our generation, it's going to be everything is instant. You have to have it now. If you go through a drive-thru and they tell you to pull to the side, what do you do? Huh? If you have to pull to the side, what do you do? You go, another 30 seconds? Another five five minutes? I've got to wait an extra five minutes for this? My flesh starts screaming because I want it now. And if that stove doesn't boil in, you know, I got one. Of, I told you, I got one of those new stoves, and it doesn't do it in four minutes. It doesn't boil the water in four minutes, like it said it was going to. Get rid of that thing. It takes five. I mean, we are that way. Everything has to be instant. Instant, instant, instant. We want it now. And we can't wait in line for anything. And we can't wait on the phone for anything on hold. And we can't do anything except for we have it now. And don't wait in a checkout line. Nobody wants to do it. If they don't open another line, it's like you're looking around. Don't they see that there's three people in this line? Because we are... A society that wants it now. We want it now. And we got to have it now. And then the other thing is our technology stuff. 
You know, just recently, we did some business with a, with a gentleman, and he flew into town, and his phone died on the way. And his plane was late, and he couldn't let us know. And he got here, and the first thing he said is, I'm so sorry, my plane was late, and I couldn't let you know because my cell phone died. And he said, do you have a charger for this type of phone? Well, of course I did, because I have a charger for every type of phone. <laughs> you know me. And so he plugged his phone in. And, he, and then the other day, we had someone that came to our house to do some business, and the first thing he said was, you know what, I could not find your house. And I said, well, didn't Dave give you directions? And he said, well, yes, he did, but they were in my phone, and my phone died. So I couldn't remember how to get here. So he said, do you have a charger for my phone? Well, of course I did, because I have a charger for every phone. But I got to thinking, you know, we are in trouble without our phones. Everything we have is in this phone. Our directions, our phone numbers, our notes, almost everything you have is how many of you? Mm-hmm. One person shaking his head, no. You know, but a lot of people, it's that way. But the thing about it is, got to have something to go with that phone, and it's called power. you got to have power to keep all these electronic things working. And with this power, what about your computer? Do you, do you have a computer? Uh -huh. Do you use her computer? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he's telling off on himself. Now he smiles real big. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> we do. And what happens when that computer runs down? Where's the power cord? I don't care if it's a laptop. I don't care what, what it is that you have to have. You have to have power for everything that we're doing anymore. You go to an airport anymore, and it's like unreal. Everybody's sitting on the floor, and everybody's sitting around the outlets. Everybody's got, you know, they've got to be around that power. you got to be around the power. There's one pole like that one right there, and everybody's around it. There's chairs everywhere, and nobody's sitting in them. They're all on the floor around that power. Because they got to have the power because they can't talk on their phone and they can't run their computer without the power. power. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff tonight. Okay. Because how many of you in here right now, look at your phone, see how much power it's got? Uh-huh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look with me, if you would, just a minute at Luke 16:8 in the King James Version. to talk about the devil and how he wins with us. And I want to talk about how the devil gets place in your life and how he gets mm, the word Keith used Sunday, footholds in your life. And how we can put faith into action to get those footholds out of our lives. Out of our lives. Dan, I asked you to do something for me and you hadn't done it yet. Where's that person at? 
You're running slow on me, Dan. And Dan never runs slow. Does he ever run slow? He never runs slow. So that was, okay. Um, He does something by wearing us down. The devil's greatest tool is he never gets tired. And what he does is he will begin something on you from the time you're a child. And he'll begin doing it to you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until he wears you out over the situation. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have kids in here? Okay. How many of you have employees? How many of you have a spouse? How many of you have a dog? How many of you have a cat? How many of you have a neighbor? How many of you have a boss? I should have covered everybody by now, right? Okay? You should, should pretty much get everybody. What happens is when somebody wants something from you, normally they'll ask you once, and if you don't give in, what will they do? They'll keep asking until they get their way with it, especially a kid. And a teenager... We'll do it over and over and over again till they do what? Wear you down. And they'll, and they'll do it in the funnest and most unusual ways because they know exactly when to get you. So what we'll do is we'll illustrate a few things to you and we'll show you some things. It'll be just exactly like this. You're strong. You're doing good. And you go and you see something in your life just it, Exactly like Lindsay, Liberty here, sitting here. And you say, you know what, sweetheart, you can't sit here. That's my chair. You can't do that. So you have to move. So she gets up and she moves. You're in total control. You know it. It's taken care of. That's the way you deal with the devil. You can't be here. Right? It's the way you do the devil in your life. Sickness. What do you do? You resist the devil and he has to flee. Flee. How easy is that? Easy, 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 easy. How many of you can do that? Sickness, you can't stay. You have to go. You get saved. It's just that easy. That's how it works. That is just how easy it is to resist the devil. So why doesn't it work all the time? Huh? Why doesn't it work all the time? Let's read some scriptures and we'll get into it some more as we go through the night. Okay. Luke 16, verse 8 in the King James Version. It says, And the Lord commended the unjust servant, unjust steward, because he had done wisely for the children of this world, for the children of what? The children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, there's only one thing I want you to get out of that verse. 
is it talking about two groups of people? Okay, it's talking about what? The children of the world and what? The children of light. Which one are you? Your children of the light. Not children of the world. So if you're saved, you are now children of the light. Right? Okay, so we're all established. Raise your hand if you're a child of the light. Okay, that's what I want to make sure of. All right, let's look at a couple of more verses. Now, don't forget that throughout the night, right? I'm going to ask you again. What are you, a child of the world or a child of the light? Don't forget it, right? When you become a child of the light, does your flesh change? What changes? Your spirit, right? Your flesh does not change at all. You didn't become any more handsome when you got saved, did you? No, ma'am. What changed about you? Your spirit changed. That's what made you a child of the light is your spirit changed when you got saved. Okay? So you'll understand it a little more as we go on. Revelation says this, He has made us kings and priests unto God the Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever. So how many of you know that we are made kings and priests? We are kings and priests. What are we kings of? Okay. We're made kings and priests over what we rule, this world. We're made kings and priests over what he's given us dominion to rule over in this world. Look at this next verse. John 18:36. He says, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight and prevent my arrest from the Jews. But my kingdom is from another place. So where is your kingdom at? Huh? So is what we just said even true? Think for a second. If Jesus' kingdom is where, where is your kingdom? Oh. Your kingdom is with Jesus' kingdom. So if your kingdom is not here and you don't have everything you need here in this world, where should you be getting what you need from? The same place he gets his stuff from. We don't obtain what we need from this world. Everything that we need, we get from another world. Now, let me explain it to you this way. What if there was someone that came from another country to live or be in the United States? Say they came from Spain. Or say they came from, what's a country that doesn't speak the language at all here? Germany. That's a very good one. Germany. And they, their culture is totally different than ours. And they don't eat anything that we eat. And they don't do things any way that we do it. And they get here 
and everybody here is different. And they're one person. They're German. And they sit in amongst this whole crew of Americans. Do you think they're going to influence this whole crew of Americans to become German? No. What's going to happen to them? What's most likely going to happen to that German? What are they going to do? They're going to most likely become like us. And what would be the only thing that would help them to become and stay more like a German? have more German people around them or make very frequent trips back to Germany. But if they stay here in America and all they're ever around is, sweetheart, you can't, you can't stay there. I love you, but you, you can't stay there. You'll have to go back to your chair. Oh, these can't stay here either. I call my body healed. Amen. These bills, I call them paid. Amen. This little bill, it can't stay. I call it paid. I call it paid. It can't stay, this little bill. You know, and it's not really that big a deal that I heard that cuss word on TV right now. I'm still strong. You know, I can, I can take that cuss word. I can really take it. I'm strong right now. I just got fed. I can take that. Because, you know, I'm all built up. I just got saved. I'm on fire for God. (laughs) I can do anything for God. Right? How were you when you got saved? Could you tear down anything the devil put in front of you? Were you telling everybody that came in your path about God and being saved and church? And there wasn't nothing you couldn't do, right? What happened? Worn down. Worn down. Worn down. When a person... Oh, no. I don't have to be fired. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I have the word. I can, I can overcome this. I don't care what they say. But what is the devil doing? Huh? Does he just do this to one person? No. What does he do on a continual basis? He's trying to take... It's not just one thing in our life. He's constantly putting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
nine, ten things in our lives. But the thing about it is, when he does that, all you have is one service on Sunday that you've been listening to. What about that cell phone of yours? Or your computer. If you stay on it three hours straight, what happens to it? Now, if you're only dealing with... Sweetheart, you can't stay in that seat now. You'll have to go back to your seat. I love you, but you can't stay there. If you're only dealing with that, how long can you keep your charge on your phone or your computer and you shut it down? Huh? You turn it off after that. How long? Long time, right? But what if you deal with that? Then you have to get on the phone. You have to deal with this. Then you get on the phone and you have to deal with this. Then you get on the phone and you have to deal with this. Then you get on the phone and you have to deal with this. This is a long one. What happens to you? Now, they've got these new little things that you can plug in and get a little bit more charge so you can come up just for a little bit. But what happens? You get worn out. You get totally run down. Now, what if... What if you were, say, a princess? But you never knew you were a princess. And you were princess of this country. And all your life you lived in poverty. And you never had nothing. But you found out one day, your dad wasn't really your dad. Somebody else was your dad, and he owned this great big country. And you were in line for the throne. And it was going to be yours. And all you had to do was change a few things and make a decision, yeah, I'll move over there and I'll be queen of that country. But you had to give up everything you knew here and all your friends here and pick up everything you knew and move there. But when you got there, Everything was yours. You had all the money you could want. You had everything you could need. It was all yours. But you never knew it till then. And you lived in poverty all your life. Would that change your life? But you'd have a choice you had to make. 
What if it included healing? What if it included forgiveness of everything you had ever done? What if it included deliverance from everything you ever had attachments to that was bad in your life? But you never knew it. That's the kingdom that Jesus is a part of. That's the kingdom that you're a part of. And it has everything that you ever needed. And it has all the energy, too, that you need. But there's a problem with that kingdom. Nobody ever wants to go there. The problem is they've gotten too used to the world that they live in. And they almost have a fear of this new world. And they don't want to leave their old world to find out about the new world. They like the old world so well that they're unwilling to leave the old world to find out all the good things that they can get in the new world. So they stay in the old world. And that's what's happening to so many Christians today. That the devil has convinced them that God's kingdom and the things of God, that they have to give up so many different things that they have chosen to settle in their life for sickness and poverty and hurt and lack and depression and suffering and, and need of drugs and need of drink and need of this and need of that because they're unwilling to turn loose of the things of the world to get to the things of this other kingdom. Because he's painted this glorious picture of how wonderful it is. And it's ugly and it stinks when you compare it to this other kingdom. But i got news for you. This other kingdom is gloriously wonderful and it fulfills everything that you'll ever need. And it gives you every one of your heart's desires. Let's look at a couple of things. Romans 12, 22. 12, 2, excuse me. It says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, that person that we were talking about that came from another culture and came over to the United States, say Germany, do you think that they're missing their country? Absolutely they are. But do you think that there's some good from here and some good from there that they can find out about? 
Absolutely. But when one person is trying to change lots of different people, what do they need? A lot of power and a lot of strength. Because it's real hard to do something on your very own. So you need to find a lot of people that believe the very same thing that you believe and hook with them. Look at this next verse, and I think you'll find out what we're talking about on a lot of these things, and it'll hook it together for you. Matthew 26, 40. You know, I told a little bit the last time I spoke about the Peter situation and about how that the Lord really opened my eyes on some things, and I think this will help you bring some more of that together too. Uh, Matthew 26, 40. And when he came to his disciples and he found them asleep, he said to Peter, What, could you not watch and pray for me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Read that next part with me. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, tell me again, you're a child of the what? The light. And what part of you got saved? Your spirit got saved. Now, when your spirit got saved, how did you start feeding it? The Word. Okay. Now, that's a real good question for me. Because when you look at Christians today, I don't see too many fat Christians. By that I mean people that are really overcoming in a lot of areas. Now, I see a lot of fat children of the world. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But it just means that they're eating a lot. But to be spiritually fat would mean... What? You are. You don't have anything going wrong in your life. Everything is good in your life. And I think it's doggone time we have a lot of fat Christians. I think it's time we quit settling for the devil's junk. I think it's time we quit quit having one, two, three, four, five, six things. Sweetheart, you can't stay there. And nor can this and this and this and this and this. And what happens is you've got this and you've got this and you've got this and you've got this and all these things that are going on in our life. And why are they not going away? Why has that not gone away? And why has all these things not only not gone away, but why are more of them being added? How many of you can genuinely say today, you not only have one thing in your life you'd like to go away, but you have one, two, three, four, five, ten, 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 fifteen, twenty, twenty-five things that you'd like to see go away in your life right now. Well, I know I would. There's a lot of things that I'd like to see change. Well, why aren't they changing? 
because we're not doing what God told us to do. It's real good to say just exactly what Peter said. Look at it again. I mean, it's watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, what did Jesus tell them? Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me. And what did he say? No, I'm going to die with you. I know this is not going to happen. And what did all the disciples say? Me too, me too, me too, me too. Do you think they meant that? I think they meant it. I think Peter meant it with every bit of his heart, with every bit of his soul, with every bit of his might. I think he meant it with every part of his body. Jesus, I'm with you. I am with you. You don't got nobody with you more than me. I think the disciples meant that. They'd been with him. They'd stayed up late. They'd gone to bed late. They'd gone with him in the wilderness. They'd gone with him night. They'd gone with him day. They were out there with him then. They had no intentions of forsaking him. They meant they were going to do with him whatever he wanted done. Their heart was with him. How many of you believe that? I mean, I believe it. With all my heart, I believe it. But you know what? Their spirit was willing, but their flesh battery was down. They were totally run down. They didn't have anything else to give. He said, pray. I know where you are spiritually. And you know what? The devil knows where you are spiritually. And that's where the problem is. God knows where you are and the devil knows where you are. But what the sad part is, you don't know where you are. Did Peter know where he was? No. And that's what the sad part is. Is we have been unwilling to put our face in it and say, Hey, we're not as far along as we think we are. And so we're getting all these things built. When you keep getting things added that are bad, it's time to raise your head up and say, Hey, look, I ain't got this. I ain't as far along as I think I am. Because really, we should be able to stop it when one thing comes along and we should be able to say, Devil, get out of here. But when that doesn't happen, and then this doesn't happen, and this doesn't happen, and this doesn't happen, and this doesn't happen, and this... Because God's Word works. I remember the story Brother Hagin used to tell about the devil not fleeing from that man. And he said, Brother Hagin, uh, talked to him and he said, uh, I told the devil to flee, you, you know, Lord, and he didn't flee. He said, I said he would. You remember that story? Well, who, who, who was the problem? Brother, God or, or the devil or Brother Hagin? Brother Hagin. And it's always us. And until we get out of this pride stuff and say, okay, it's the devil. Okay, it's the preacher. Okay, it's the this person. Okay, it's the other person. And look square in the mirror and say, hey, I ain't far enough along. I ain't got it together as much as I think I do or I wouldn't have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, two, 152 things attacking me right now. Huh? 
I'd be able to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and he'd have to flee. But I'm going to tell you tonight, we can make him flee. There's a way to do it. God is on our side, and we can do this. Look at this. Jesus told him, I'm going to remind you of it, Matthew 26, 34. Jesus said to them, Jesus said, Matthew 26, 34 and 35, Verily I say unto you, this night before the cock crows, you shall deny me thrice. But he had told them right before it, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Now, what's happening with so many people? This is what's happening. So many people are doing this. Yes, they're reading their chapters and they're coming to church. They're doing it. They're getting around the Word. They're doing it. But I want to show you something. Okay, here's my big battery. You see my big battery? This is my big battery. This is the things of God. Where's the other battery I asked you about? Dan, put it up here on the thing. This is my big battery. Now, if I just come around this battery, am I getting charged? Huh? If I just walk close to this battery, am I getting charged? Huh? What do I have to do to get charged? If you just put your phone close to a charger, is it getting charged? If you just put your computer close to a charger, is it getting charged? If you just set your computer close to the outlet on the floor, will it get charged? If you just set your phone and you're expecting a phone call and it's very important and the battery is run down, you just set it really, you just set it on top of the outlet. Will it get charged? Huh? What do you have to do? Now, we understand about charging things, right? Everybody in here understands about charging things and needing power. We're the technology generation. We understand that, right? So let me explain this to you, what's going on. People are coming to church. And they're sitting right there in that chair. I'm not going to talk about you any more than I am me. Sitting right there in that chair. And they're thinking about their grocery list. And they're thinking about what they're going to do tomorrow. And they're thinking about what's going on at work. And they're thinking about what's going to happen after church. And they're thinking about their kids. And they're thinking about their boss. And they're thinking about what they didn't get done today. And they're thinking about what time it is. And they're not getting charged. They're walking all the way around the outlet. They're rubbing up against the outlet. The outlet might fall on them. But they're not getting charged. They're rubbing up against everybody in the place. And they're saying all the right things. But are they getting charged? Yes. 
It's not complicated. You can be in the environment. You can hang around the right people. You can say all the right things. You can say, shun die, run die, untie my bow tie. But you need to come to church and have a focus. Get that mind. Get that body. Get that heart. And most importantly, get that spirit. And grab it. And if you have to, hogtie it. And say, no, you're focusing tonight, buddy. You are focusing on what's being done. You're focusing on what's being said. And I'm not just talking about church. What about when you read your chapter? So what? You read your chapter. But your mind's wandering out in the, what's going on in the garage? What's going on with the kids? What's on the TV? What's going on here? Okay, and I got to do this and you're texting the whole time that you're doing it. Are you getting fed? Absolutely not. You're not getting fed. Just because you go through the motions of something doesn't mean it feeds you. You've got to plug into the outlet. Let me ask you this. Your flesh, physically. If I took and I had the best steak in the whole wide world and I had pizza and I had hamburgers and I had Mexican food and I had Chinese food and I had any kind of food you could possibly think of and I took it and I rubbed it all over your body from head to toe. I rubbed it on your feet and I rubbed it on your head and I rubbed it down your back and I rubbed it on your belly. I rubbed it all over your belly. Huh? I rubbed it on your eyeballs where you could see it real good. Would you get nutrition? No. Would you get fed? No. You could sit in that room with that food for 26 days. And starve to death. Unless you did what? Put it inside your body. And that's what's happening to Christians today. They're coming sit in church. They're sitting here. They got their Bibles out. They're taking notes. They're listening to tapes. Their minds are wandering. They're not doing one thing the tape says. And they're plugging in another one. Guys, we're not going to get any more spiritual doing that. We're not going to get any healthier. We're not going to grow. We're going to get more and more and more of these things that we have to overcome. And the devil is going to overtake us. How many of these things can we have in our lives until we just get in the bed and pull the covers over our head and say, I quit, this God thing doesn't work. When the God thing does work, God works really, really well. But when people see you coming to church and they see you toting your Bible and they see you reading your chapter, what are they going to assume? Huh? That you're getting fed. When they see you go in a restaurant, what do they assume? You're going to eat. 
Have you ever seen a person that's anorexic or bulimic? Can they fool people with their eating? You ever seen them? I've seen lots of them. They're very proficient at tricking people. Very proficient at it. They'll make you believe they're eating all the time when they're never eating. And there's a lot of anorexic, bulimic Christians. They're making you believe they're eating all the time. And they ain't never eating. Never really sitting down and shutting everything off. And focusing totally and completely on the one that the supply comes from. Because you know what? The Word works. God works. The miracle worker works. When you resist the devil, he has to flee. He can't stay. When I say leave, she has to leave permanently. Get out. Stay. Not there. Out. 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 She has to stay. Go. She has to stay. She can't come back in the name of Jesus. You can't come back when I mean it. But when I play with the things of God and I just do them playing with them to be show and tell and to prove to other people that I'm spiritual, I'm going to fail every time. But when I come, and I come with a purpose in mind, and I come and I sit here with my Bible, and I put my focus on what's being said, and I look to God and I say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on you tonight. I don't care what my flesh says. I don't care how it's hurting. I don't care what it feels like. Satan, you're bound. You can't make me be distracted tonight. My focus is on God and what's being said. And if he tries to pull your mind off of it, you say, nope, here it is again. And if he does it a hundred times like she was getting in that chair, what do you do? You jerk it and you pull it back. And you jerk it and you pull it back. And you jerk it and you pull it back. It's not complicated, guys. He's going to do his very best to keep us from getting fed. Why would he do that? Because he keeps us weak that way. And if he keeps us weak, we have no power and we have no authority in our lives. And if we have no authority in our lives, we can't be healed. We can't be strong enough to overcome him. Have you ever said these things? I'm going to read a list of things. I want to know. I'm not going to eat that pie. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend that much money. I'm not going to watch that kind of movie anymore. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to be that person anymore. I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. How many thousand times have you said I'm not going to? You know the problem with that? No. 
no God in it anywhere. I am not gonna. Just like Peter, I am not gonna. No, God, I'm gonna. But you can't do it by yourself. When we got saved, we, we quit being just like the world. We quit have, what we've been doing is we've been being just like that German person that came over here and we didn't separate ourselves in any way from what's going on in the world. We're living just like the whole rest of the world that's out there. We've not separated ourselves in any way from the normal person that's going along in every day the rest of the world. There's nothing different from us. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. What's made you peculiar from anybody that you're around in your daily walk? The peculiarness should be you got to recharge. You know, if you're from another kingdom, if you actually are from this kingdom up here, if you're actually from God's kingdom, this is the world's kingdom, and this is God's kingdom, when you go into the world and someone, say this German person came over, and they did something really bad, they would have what would be called diplomatic immunity. And they don't have to live by the law that's in this country. And do you know what? You don't have to live by the law that's in this world. You don't have to live by the law that you have to be sick. You don't have to live by the law that you have to be broke. You don't have to live by the law that you have to eat 12 pieces of pie. You don't have to live by the law that you can't get over drugs. You don't have to live by the law that you have to give in to that temper. You don't have to live by all those laws that you have to give in to your flesh all the time. But how do you not have to live by that law? By knowing what kingdom you're a part of. So long as you don't even know that you're a part of this other kingdom and you want to stay in this kingdom down here, you'll be governed by this kingdom down here. But when you decide, I no longer want all these bad things in my life. And you choose, I want all these good things from this other kingdom. I want this healing. I want this prosperity. I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to be broke anymore. I don't want to have this temper anymore. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be drunk anymore. I don't want to be on drugs anymore. Then what do you do? You start moving back towards this kingdom. And you start charging and hooking up your power cord with somebody that has the answers for you. We can't stay in the world and be in this world continuously and not become a part of this world. But now, don't get me wrong. Don't make me say something I didn't say just now. If God would have wanted you not to be in this world, when you got saved, he'd have raptured you out of here. 
He didn't make us to not be able to be and withstand the things and the temptations that are going on in this world. But he did say in order to overcome the things of this world, in Jude 20, he said, you have to pray building up yourself. You have to hook to God. We are not strong enough in our flesh to overcome the things that are going on in our lives. How often do you charge that phone? Every day. Sometimes. Huh? How often do you eat? You eat every day, all day? Huh? Some of y'all eat lots. And do you focus when you're eating? I mean, you like it sometimes. Huh? And do you notice when that battery's going down on your phone? Or your computer? Why wouldn't you notice when things keep adding up in your life? Huh? Why wouldn't you notice... When, when things keep piling up on top of you? Huh? Why wouldn't you notice when it just seems like everything keeps going wrong and nothing keeps going right? You do notice it. You just didn't know what to do about it. But now you know. What has happened is your spirit has gotten too weak to deal with it. But we can fix that. We can fix that. Look at this right here. Luke 4. Luke 4. Verse 1. It says, Jesus being what? Full of the Holy Spirit. What was he full of? He was full of another world. He was full of another world. He was full of the Holy Spirit, which was from another world. What if you got full of the Holy Spirit, which is from another world? Reckon you'd act any different? Huh? Reckon you'd be able to deal with the devil any differently? Well, the devil tempted him with everything. What did he try to do with him? This thing, and this thing, and this thing. He's not any different with Jesus than he was with you, or with you, or with you, or with you. And Jesus gave us the exact example how to deal with him. He told us exactly what to do. He said, he opened his, in verse 4, he said, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. He had enough word in him to know what to say. And he answered him. And he told him. And so again, he said, verse 8, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. So it didn't matter if he tried to throw three things at him at once. He had enough strength in him to where he could stand up to the devil one thing after another. The problem is we haven't had enough spirit strength in us to be able to withstand the devil. 
So it's time we do a flip-flop and we begin to build our spirits instead of our flesh. It's time to recognize, and it's not difficult. Nobody's asking you to quit your job and spend 24 hours a day praying in the Spirit. That's what the devil tries to tell people. But what you do have to do is you do have to, just like what I said, when you come to church, focus on church. When you read your chapter, read your chapter and focus on your chapter. When you pray, focus on praying. The devil's not complicated. He is stupid. You just have to focus on what you're doing when you're doing it. God's not asking you to give him 24-7 every day of the week. He's asking you to give him when you give him. That's what he's asking for. And if we would just start there. Now, for me, it should be that I should be able to do more than just focus when I come to church. I should be able to pray and I should be able to do more. Everybody is at different levels and you know where your level is. But we should be able to get charged up by going and, and what you should do, you, you shouldn't have to just walk up and, and pass a battery source and say, yeah, one of these days I'm going to really hook in. One of these days I'm going to really, yeah, get to that church and I'm going to really plug myself in and I'm going to really get it with God. No, at some point in time, you've got to plug yourself into that battery. And what do you have to do when you plug it, plug it in? Can you just go like this? Okay, I'm charged. Huh? You think that cell phone's charged when you just go touch it like that? No, sometimes you have to sit there with God for a while. And you have to stay plugged in for a while. Sometimes I just have to stay and I just have to pray for a while. And I just have to sit and I just have to pray for a while. And sometimes I have to come to church and listen to Keith for three and a half hours. And stay focused. You didn't even laugh. And stay focused while Keith preaches the whole time. No matter what else is going on. And keep my focus on what he's saying. Because evidently I need to hear what he's saying or God wouldn't have dealt with him to preach it. And I may not need it today, but I may need it in a month from now. So I'm going to keep my cord plugged in the whole time I'm here. I'm not just going to leave it dangling out there because that's useless to me. I'm here already. Why not charge? Because you know what? Have you ever done this? Have you ever not charged your phone and went away from the power source and realized, man, I forgot to charge my phone and need it in an hour? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Did you regret it? How bad did you regret it? Pretty bad. Well, that is a phone. Huh? That's just a phone. What if you get out of here, or what if you get out of reading your chapter, and you should have been plugged into reading that, and something attack you? Are you, God forbid, somebody in your family has a bad car wreck and just exactly what you should have got out of sermon to minister to somebody, you weren't plugged in, your mind was someplace else, your, everything was haywire, you weren't paying attention to what was going on that day and you needed exactly what was happening in the service that day. Yeah. Or you lost your job next week and you needed to hear exactly what was going on. You think you're going to regret that? Sure you 
are. Well, do you not think that the devil knew that? Sure he did. And he made you leave your power cord at home that night. Sure he did. And every time you get an opportunity, you should be plugging in. You should be hooked in. Then every time these opportunities, these things arise, you just have the power. You just can go over and knock them over. It's just no big deal to you because there are obstacles. No, no big deal. I've got power in my life. They're just no big deal to me. You can just walk right past them. Oh, healing, no big deal. This debt, I'll just pay this house off. I've got the money, no big deal. My kid's going into jail, no big deal. I'll get him out, no big deal. He's, he's a smart kid. He'll come right through this, no big deal. Why? Because you've been getting fed every time the services have come around. That chapter's told you exactly what you need to do. Believe God, trust God. Nothing is impossible for God. I've got the answer for it right now. He's my strength. He's my shield. I know exactly what to do. And every time an obstacle comes, you just know exactly what to do. You just knock it over just like it's no big deal to you. Right? Well, you say, no, 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 no. It's not that biggest deal. Well, I was reading the other night, and I just got so overwhelmed with this, and I think you're going to like it. Have you got your shouting clothes on, as Brother Hagin used to say? Are you ready? Some of you don't have your shouting clothes on. Have you got your shouting clothes on? Okay. Matthew 13 said this, 31, in the NIV. It said, he told them another parable, and it said, The kingdom of heaven is like. And I bet I read that a hundred times. Every time I started reading and I started looking, it kept saying the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then I started finding some similarities about what the kingdom of heaven was like. And you're going to like it. This one says, there was so many of them, we won't try to read them all, but you'll get the idea. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted it in his field. It was the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grew, it was the largest of garden plants, and it became a tree, so that the birds of the air came and perched in its branches. And he told him still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount until it worked through all the dough. And I got it. I got it. What is the kingdom of heaven like? You think about it. Everything with God starts small. Think about the five loaves and the two fishes. It was small, but it multiplied into something huge. The mustard seed is so small, but it got really big. When a baby is born, what is it? Small, Small, but it gets as big as Rob. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? What about corn? It's small, but it gets big. What about a tree seed? It's small. It gets everything about God is small, but what can it do? It can grow and get really, really big. And that's the way the things of God are. And that's what can happen with your faith and the things in your life really, really good. I mean, so many people think that they just have 
absolutely no faith. They just have absolutely zero, zero to be able to do anything. And they just feel so overwhelmed by all these things that are happening in their life. But I got news for you. Stand up with me if you would. I want to read you this verse. Ushers, get ready. Romans, you can put your Bibles away. They'll put it up on the screen for us. Romans 12.3 says this. For I say, through the grace that was given me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I think you have a different idea of that tonight, right? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Because can the devil trip you up? Your flesh wants you to think more highly of yourself, and you can wind up with all these obstacles in your life. Not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God has dealt to every... Say that word with me. Every man the measure of faith. Now, every man means what? Every man. Does that include women? Every person has a measure of what? faith. So I want to do a little example exercise in here with you tonight. I told you I had a lot of uh, objects and props tonight. So ushers, if you would pass out this next prop for us, please. And don't, don't open it or you'll lose it. Look at it real closely. You'll see that there's something in this little baggie. Branson, put Branson on the screen. Are you doing that? Yep, they are. So don't don't lose it. Everybody get one. You'll see that there's something in there. And I want this to serve. Do you see that there's something in there? It's teeny tiny. Teeny tiny. Let me know when Branson gets all done. Put them back on the screen so we can see when they get done. Dave, wave your hand when y'all are done. This is so exciting to me because you see all these obstacles on the floor. Dan and Rob, go ahead and do what we talked about with these obstacles here. Because I think there's a lot of people in both places that have a lot of obstacles in their lives. I don't think I'm the only one that has dealt with obstacles. Put them over to the side of the pulpit so that we can do something with them here. Just, yeah, set them to one side or the other of the pulpit there. Isn't it good to have good help? And strong, yeah. Good, strong help. Dave, y'all are done over there? Yeah. These represent all the obstacles in our lives. 
they're big and they're bright and they're bad and they cause us problems. But what we're going to do is we're going to show you something. Put up Matthew 17, 20 on the screens now. I think they're ready. I think they're ready. I'll just hold it if you want to for just a minute. Be fine. One of y'all just... Matthew 17, 20. Read this with me, please, in the King James. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed... Whoa, stop. Hold that up, please. Now, is that teeny tiny grain of mustard seed? Do you think that that you have at least that much faith that he dealt to you, that measure of faith, that maybe it was at least that big? So I think everybody in here was at least dealt that much faith when they were dealt that measure of faith, don't you? So I would say everybody in here has at least this much faith, right? I'm excited. Are you excited? I am so excited because I think we all have at least this much faith, this little grain of mustard seed faith. I even got one too. Rob, you got one? Here, Rob, have a a grain. You've got to have some faith, man. (laughs) Here we go. The choir got some faith? Y'all better give that choir some faith. They need some faith. We don't have, let nobody not have no faith tonight. Everybody needs some faith. This is going to represent your faith. And you need to put it somewhere. And you need to say, this represents my faith. And it's, it's an example. If you've got to put it somewhere and say, with this faith... I know I released my faith. With this seed, I released my faith. It's an example of my faith. And I know when I held that in my hand, it was with me. And God gave me this measure of faith. And he said, if I have faith, say it with me. If I have faith as a grain of mustard seed, I can say to this mountain. See this mountain? Let it represent everything that's going on in your life. I can say to this mountain, Be thou removed to yonder place. And what? It shall remove. And what? Nothing shall be impossible to you. Say that again. (laughs) All you have to do is release as much faith as this grain of mustard seed and nothing will be impossible to you. So I want you to close your eyes 
and speak to this mountain about the things in your life. Take just a minute and do it. Everybody stretch your hands out here and whatever's going on in your life, speak to it. Father, in Jesus' name, the things that are in our lives, we just speak to this mountain and we tell it to go to yonder place and nothing will be impossible to us. Whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, whether it's meanness, whether it's poverty, whether it's drugs. Father, we speak to these things and we tell them they have to go in the name of Jesus. <coughs> because we have released our faith, they cannot stay. In Jesus' name, go now in Jesus' name. <coughs> now you put this seed up in a place and you remind yourself that it said, and put this verse up with this seed, Matthew 17, 20. Faith is a grain of mustard seed. Nothing is impossible to you. Sickness, poverty, whatever's going on in your life, deliverance from anything, tempers, Whatever is going on in your life, whether you can't have a child, nothing is impossible. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible. Say it again. Nothing is impossible. Say it again. Nothing is impossible. Say it again. Nothing is impossible. All I have to do is believe. Now thank you for it. Father, we thank you for hearing and answering each and every person's request tonight, Father. We know that you are a good Father God. And Father, we're going to stay hooked with you. No matter what our flesh says, we know our spirit is willing, Father. And we're going to stay plugged in with you, Father and be a part of your kingdom. We're going to stay charged to you, Father, because you are a good Father God. And we thank you for it, Father. Father, we do know that you are where our supply comes from, Father, not from things in this world, Father. And we don't want to be a part of this world, Father. We want to be a part of you. And we are unwilling to settle for anything less than your best in our lives. And we thank you for all the things that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, y'all got something you can sing.